Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Cool. Who's ready for something very, very different here? If you're a guest, this is not our normal thing. We're doing something for two weeks uh, that's very special. You know, one of the greatest perks of my job is I get to hear the most amazing stories. I really do. I, I just get to hear things that, that no one else will ever hear about what God is doing in someone's life. And so, uh, you know, then there's this saying that a picture's worth a thousand words. What would a story be worth then? And so many times I stand up here, well, it is my job. I stand up here and I tell you what the Bible says and I tell you what we should do, but everybody knows that the best way to make that practical is to always share with you a story. And so I've heard just a couple of amazing stories lately that I said, you know what, I really want to share that with everybody. Uh, and uh, I think it's going to be life-changing. So I had lunch with Will a couple of months back and he told me his story and I, I just sat there totally flabbergasted. Uh, first of all, the story is just incredible, but his response to the story is really what blew me away. And I said, I think you can help encourage some people in their faith. And so everybody, Will and Grace Bowling, we give me a hand and welcome them. Yeah. How you doing? Pretty good. Glad to hear it. About a third service, you'll feel like you live up here. It'll be like all normal. It'll be awesome. So, uh, well, hey, there's no better place to start than with your story. I mean, I, I sat down to lunch having no idea what you're going to tell me, and, and uh, I was blown away. So start at the beginning, man. What happened? Sure. So around midnight on August 5th, 2008, um, I had been with Grace, who was my girlfriend at the time, at her parents' house. Um, and I told her goodnight and left as I had done, I don't know, probably a thousand times before. And so I was driving back home to my apartment and my car hit a tire in the middle of the road on the interstate and spun out of control, came to a stop, um, just off the shoulder of the road. And I got out to see if it was still drivable to see what the condition of the car was. Um, as I was doing that, some people pulled over, uh, asked if I was okay, offered to lend me a phone to call for help. And I told them I was fine. I walked back around to the driver's side to get my phone to make a phone call. Um, while I was doing that, I looked up, saw some headlights, and jumped as far as I could. Um, and the next thing I remember is laying on the ground somewhere. Um, just remembering a certain smell, just very like burning rubber asphalt type smell. Um, my legs were warm and numb at the same time and uh, my head was kind of foggy and I couldn't get up. So I laid my head down. I had no idea what had happened, but I knew it wasn't good. I laid my head down, prayed to God to save my life and not to let me die like that. Um, and later I found out that I had been hit by a tractor trailer going um, a little over 90 miles an hour. And I, he had uh, crushed my right leg below the knee. Uh, my left leg was completely removed, severing the femoral artery. Um, and 
I had quite a few internal injuries too. And the amazing thing was I, through that I had landed in a bed of fire ants and they had caused me to go into anaphylactic shock, which slowed my bleeding long enough for the paramedics to get there um, and to airlift me to the hospital. So everybody just went, ooh, when they heard you landed in a bed of fire ants, but that's what saved your life. That if you hadn't have gone into shock and it slowed your bleeding down, you, you would not be here to tell us this story. Right. That's pretty amazing, don't you think? It is. So then what happens after that? Uh, I don't remember a whole lot for a while after that. I um, was in a medically induced coma, and Grace knows more about that time than I do. He said some pretty crazy things on some pain medicine for a while, so that was entertaining. Um, but yeah, he was in the ICU for seven days, um, and there was a 48-hour window where the doctor said um, that would determine if he would live or not. So he was in a medically induced coma for a few days. Um, so yeah, it was just such a powerful thing to see um, his family and friends and just surrounded by the body of Christ and just all the prayers going up. It was a really intense time, of course. Um, but he made it through the 48 hours. And um, I just remember, you know, he was unconscious and we would just go in there <clears throat> every chance we could. You know how the visiting hours are in the ICU. It's kind of, you can go in for a little while and go out and wait and then go back in. Um, but I just remember one of those times um, just praying over him and holding his hand. And then when I went to leave, I just felt his hand like grab my hand back. And I thought, okay, he knows who I am. He's still there. Um, you know, we're going to get through this. And so, yeah, he, you were in the hospital, I think, for about 50 days. Um, he had several surgeries to repair. Um, he had a plate in your hip um, and a tear in his bladder and some other things. So, yeah, it was just answered prayer, one answered prayer after another. Um, and he, we got through the hospital days and then onto a rehab hospital for a few weeks after that. So the 18-wheeler cut off your left leg immediately on the spot. Yes. And so, of course, that is a life-threatening injury at that point. And so then at the hospital is where they decided your right leg had been crushed. And what blows my mind when I had lunch with you is you told me how grateful you were. And I'm thinking nine out of 10 of us, maybe 99 out of 100 of us, would not have been in your situation saying how grateful they were. Can you explain how you are grateful to God for what you've been through? Well, he saved my life. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the hand of God. And I think looking back on it, seeing how grave the injuries were makes me even more grateful um, just to know that I'm still here. Um, and I feel like I've been given a greater purpose. You know, I feel that now I'm in more of a position to inspire people and to help people who are going through other difficult circumstances and just to show them that, you know, it really is true that God can use any circumstance for good um, and can bless his people through many ways. Um, and just to add, I think, you know, we would, no, I don't think he would have ever asked for this to happen. No one hopes something like this happens. But, um, and I've heard him say before that it's almost, now we see it almost as a gift, just um, what we've learned through it and the, the treasures that you find, you know, walking through suffering. And, um, and now especially it's really neat to see um, our young kids, you know, give praise to God and say um, that God saved their daddy's life. 
special to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you, I have the best job in the world. So, wow. I mean, so if you're saying you have gratitude and you've been through this, you saw God save your life, I guess every day after that was just really easy, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell wish. us a little bit about the following months. So I was in the hospital, I think you said for 50 days, a little over 50 days, and it wasn't too difficult there. You know, I still had pain medicine while I was there, and I was surrounded by family and friends. So, you know, the hardest part was getting back to normal whenever all the people had kind of fallen away, the newness of the situation had kind of gone away, um, and it was back to trying to, to get back to normal, and navigating what that looked like was pretty difficult, so trying to go from being used to playing racquetball every day pretty much with coworkers, lifting weights, doing that sort of thing, and to have to figure out a different way to do those things, um, and certainly dating grace trying to figure out how that changed things uh for us you know we had different struggles with that for just trying to figure out how to you know how do we adapt to get back to you know what we were before yeah and around that time um i think you said your, his parents moved in with him which was great they were there to help um and he was in the same apartment which was in forest acres but so we would um you know, try to still go out on dates. Still, was a little different there for a while. Then um, <clears throat> I remember one night in particular, I think he was not even fitted with his second leg yet. So he just had the one, so he was in his wheelchair. Um, and we would go out, you know, to movies and out to eat, Starbucks, books a million and stuff around there. Um, but one night we had gone out, I don't know where, but um, I was helping him get back into his apartment. And it was uh, one of those duplexes where it's like several of them in a row and they're really close together. And his wheelchair ramp was in the back. Um, so it was kind of a hill that we had to get up um, to go around to the back door. And I just so vividly remember this night, and I was, like, trying to, to push him up, and it was dark. And his yard had all these roots, and it was kind of, like, one step forward, two steps back. And I'm, like, kind of small compared to him, so, like, trying to push him, it was just not working. And, and as this was progressing, I just remember getting just more and more... Um, discouraged and frustrated and angry and just like why do we have to do this like why can't we just go out like normal people you know that's, these are things that were going through my head and um anyways I'm just in a really low place and we finally get to the top and I look to my side and he had kind of like a nosy older late over older neighbor I know you know the type <laughs> um, like always watching through the blinds and stuff well, she, we, all this whole ordeal, and we get up to the top, and I look, and she was just, like, standing there watching the entire thing, and something in me just snapped, and I just yelled, like, can I help you? <laughs> and then I felt like a horrible person, because who yells at, like, an older lady? But, um, but anyways, like, that just, I think, perfectly captures that low place we were in for a while, and, um, you know, we did struggle with questioning, why do we have to deal with this? Um, but around that time, I just, you know, it was really amazing to feel the Lord just reminding us, like, you know, is your hope in an easy life? Is your hope in things going well all the time? Or is it in, you know, your salvation and the hope of heaven? And, um, you know, just kind of we had to dig deep about where we put our hope and where we found our joy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was just really powerful um, 
it was all the Lord. I just felt him saying, you know, just hold on, just hang on and see um, what I'm going to do. And not that there's anything special about our life now. We just have a regular life with um, two kids. But um, just the joy and the lightness that we feel now compared to then um, is just all the grace of God that, um, that he brought us through that and showed us his faithfulness. So I think a lot of people would, would be thinking an obvious question. So you guys were just dating. You were 20 and 21, somewhere around there, right? And so, you know, this has happened to Will. His life has inevitably changed. And, but you, you could get out. And so what drew you to say, I'm going to choose the hard life, and I'm, I'm going to choose Will over what could be an easier path? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I remember in those early days, um, a close family member kind of sitting, sitting me down in the ICU hallway and saying, you know, totally from a place of just love and care, but saying, you know, you can walk through this with him as a close friend. It doesn't have to be as a girlfriend. And, um, and I, you know, appreciated them saying that. But at the same time, I was just thinking, like, what? Like, he's still the same person. He's, he doesn't have the same legs, but he's still the same person. And, um, I think it helped that we had been dating for like three years before that, so we already had a really close um, relationship. But, you know, I knew 100% if the roles had been reversed, he wouldn't have thought about leaving me. So, you know, I was committed. We knew we would have to figure it out together. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, of course, but, um, but, yeah, that just wasn't really an option. I think that's one of the greatest things. We all stand up, and in our wedding vows, as Christians, we say, for better or for worse. And a lot of times we have really no idea what worse is. Matter of fact, one of my favorite things to do is, is kind of annoy or harass a couple when I'm doing their premarital counseling. So I'm like, give me your idea of worse. And, and we just keep going through things. And, and they have ideas like, well, you know, the flu. <laughs> That's the difference between a married couple and pre-married. <laughs> well, somebody might, you know, like be sick for a couple of weeks you know, maybe laid off from work. <laughs> yeah, you have no clue what worse is. Um, and so in terms of natural circumstances, you guys had already looked worse in the face and said, you don't scare us, which I just think is truly amazing, uh, which I'd be willing to bet has been a great strength for you guys in your marriage. Yeah. So, hey, just for the fun of it, tell us the Halloween story. I think everybody... <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Show us you had a sense of humor in the midst of all this. All right. So the Halloween right after my accident, we... Um, it was like three months or so, two yeah, months. About, yeah, two yeah, months. Something like two, two months later. We were going to a party with some friends from uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. And uh, I thought it would be a good idea to use my new situation to, to have a really awesome Halloween costume. So... <laughs> I chose to go as Lieutenant Dan, and I left, left my legs off and just used my wheelchair, had a wig and bandana and everything, and yeah, we should have. Um, it didn't go over very well. It was, it was a little too soon, yeah, too soon for everybody else. We were fine with it, but it was a challenge. Oh, Wow. We were still trying to figure out how to like not make other people feel uncomfortable. I think it was a little too raw and too soon for some people, but we could laugh about it. So, <laughs> so after that, you get married. How, how did you do that? How, how soon after? 
That's true. We got married, um, was it two years after? Yeah, a little over two years after, so October of 2010. And it was a little scary, um, a little more so than normal. You know, everybody has, you know, has growing pains they go through when they get married. You know, two, trying to become one uh, is never a really easy thing to do. Um, but taking that with the additional challenges we had of, you know, not our marriage not looking like a traditional marriage where everything's pretty easy. I do, you know, a lot of stuff, and it just, it wasn't all easy. But we we made it work out, and it, it never really felt all that difficult, I think, because we had such a strong foundation together going through everything we went through, um, made things a good bit easier um, in a lot of ways. So... Yeah, and I think we understood that everyone has, you know, different challenges in their relationship or in their marriage. Ours just happened to be, you know, more physical and obvious to the outsiders. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was hard for um, a little while. Like, a lot of our friends were getting married around the same time and just knowing that, like, our wedding was going to look a little different. Um, are you told about Joe, your prosthetist, at our wedding? Yeah, so whenever we were getting married... The day of the wedding, <clears throat> I had to change my shoes, obviously, so shoes to go with the tucks and everything. And with prosthetics, whenever you change the shoe, the height of the heel makes a huge difference with where you sit on the prosthetics and how comfortable you feel. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about that ahead of time. And I put those on, and then first of all, it was a struggle to get them on. Um, but once I did, I realized I couldn't walk very well, so I'm about to walk down the aisle and I couldn't walk without leaning too far forward, and I had to walk down a hill to get there. So it was not the safest situation. And luckily, we had invited my prosthetist there, so he he showed up a little early, uh, came with a hex wrench, and fixed everything. So we were good. <laughs> All the and nobody told me that this was going on. By the way, they were like, "She's gonna freak out. Don't tell her that he might not even be able to walk down the aisle." But it worked out. <laughs> um, and I think also about just getting married and. There was so much that we, we knew we couldn't do anymore. Like, we were used to playing tennis, and, you know, I had these ideas in my head, like, we'll probably never be able to, I don't know, walk on the beach holding hands or just simple things. But it, I think it was just we had to choose, and we still do, you know. I mean, just like anybody does, just to focus on not the things you can't do, but the things you can still do and just trying to be grateful for, you know, because we, we almost didn't even get to have a relationship and a life together. Um, so just trying to be grateful instead of um, focusing on what was different or what we couldn't do, I think is a battle that you know we still have to choose every day. Yeah, so that to me is one of the most amazing parts of your story uh, in terms of the accident and the fire ants and the whole part. I mean, God was just showing up and doing something. Um, but then how you guys chose to respond to that is showing your faith and where you come into this. So, again, I think most of us would struggle. Uh, we, we struggle when our life changes in a way that we didn't ask for or we don't want. And uh, it's one of the things that I, I, I see a lot where just our, our human nature says, why me? And why do I have to go through this? And yet I keep hearing from you guys, even from day one when you told me your story, that uh, for a matter of fact, you were even grateful you were so young when it happened. And typically the story would be the opposite. Well, I'm grateful 
you know, that I was 70 when it happened, so I'd lived a good life, and I'd done all those things, and so now I'm okay. And, and you actually said the opposite, that you were grateful when you were young. So uh, what was the center of that for you and your relationship with God, your, your faith or your thinking, or what caused you guys to have so much gratitude in the midst of something like this? So I think part of it was being young enough to physically be able to get through it if all of the, the other factors had lined up appropriately or if God had helped, as he obviously did. And, you know, for some reason, looking back on it, obviously the hand of God, but shortly before my accident in July, I think, of 2008, Grace was on a missions trip in Africa, and I was here in America by myself and was trying to find something to do with my time. Um, so beyond the standard of what I would do, and go to work, go to school, play racquetball with coworkers, do that whole thing, um, I started feeling compelled to run for some reason. Um, so I just started running for, you know, an hour a day or whatever. And, you know, looking back on it, that was God preparing me for what was coming up. He knew what was going to happen. Um, and knew the best way to prepare me for it, and that was to get my heart stronger um, and to allow me to physically be able to survive something like that. And I think also a key factor in that is when you're young, you're stubborn and maybe a little dumb. And I was stubborn enough and dumb enough to think that, you know, I could get through all this and, um, you know, kind of do it all myself at some times, and I think in some ways God humbled me in that, um, so it allowed me to grow a little more rapidly than I feel like I otherwise would have. If I was older, I might have had more of a, a tendency to be bitter um, and to be resentful about it, but I was young and had a decent relationship with God at the time and just powered through it, looked at it as a challenge and, and prayed a lot and chose to see his goodness in things that a lot of other people would see um, an insurmountable challenge. So from laying in a bed of fire ants, having already lost your left leg, to today, two young boys, great family. You want to tell them the other part? One on the way. Yeah, <laughs> come on. How exciting is that? There we go. It would look like God, God's hand is on you guys. And uh, it's just amazing to see uh, what, what all has happened and what he's done. So what are some takeaways that you'd want everybody to have here? Because the reason we're sharing your story is obviously uh, to hopefully inspire someone that they're gonna go through something difficult. Some of us in this room maybe have already been through something difficult and uh, we're, we're upset about it. Um, there might be someone here today who's struggling with trusting God for what tomorrow holds because yesterday was already so hard. Uh, then there's probably some people in the room who tomorrow is going to be hard and they don't know it yet because you, like you said, you were driving home from a date that you had probably done a thousand times and you had no reason to believe that at that moment your life was going to change radically. And none of us ever do. None of us knows uh, that day that we're going to wake up and, and our life becomes a new normal. So what would be your hope, your inspiration, your advice, your whatever you'd like to share with everybody here uh, in, in the hopes that they can make it through something challenging as well? 
So I think three main things. So first, trust that God has a good plan for your life, that he can and will use anything, um, no matter how bad, um, for the good of his kingdom and to inspire others. Um, I think the second thing is just to remember that this world is temporary. We're only here for a short time, and this is not our ultimate place. And finally, just don't let your mind go to negative places. Hold your thoughts captive. Make them obedient to Christ. And trust him. Yeah. Um, And I think a big part of our story is just how God has used people um, so much to bless us and help us through this. Um, I can't count the amount of times we've either been in a situation and didn't know how we were going to get out of it or um, just he provided someone to help us with what we needed um, with whatever it was we were dealing with in the moment. And then kind of to come full circle from that, just how seeing how he has used us, even when we don't even need to do anything, to um, bless and encourage other people. And I think that's just an encouragement for anyone um, that he wants to use your pain and your struggles and your trials um, to help someone else. And if you're still breathing, then you still have purpose. Um, we were at a t-ball game for our son last spring and this lady kind of came up to us um, out of nowhere and she just came up to Will and just said "Um, I just want to thank you what and um, she said she went on to just pour her heart out to us out of at the baseball fields and um, she had tears in her eyes and she was saying you know my mom recently lost her leg but she's um, been too afraid to to put on her prosthetic and walk on it because she just doesn't know what it's going to be like. And um, she said, can I take your picture just to show her that like it can be done and that people are out and about with prosthetics? And, you know, Will said, yeah, of course. And I just thought that was so beautiful because, you know, it wasn't anything we did. We were just there and he was just answering her questions. Um, but it was such a beautiful picture of even, you know, 10 years later, God was using our struggle or Will's struggle and, um, to encourage someone else and so just let that encourage you you know whatever trial or um, difficulty you're going through he has a purpose for even that and he can use it um, someone else needs to hear your story and someone else can receive encouragement from what from the hard things that you've gone through so taking yeah taking every thought captive and you know so many of us uh I know my human nature, I I don't think I would have responded the way you did. Um, As a human, I I tend to get caught up on what's wrong. And so instead of seeing the life that you have, right, you've got a wife, two wonderful children, one on the way, still got your mind, got the capacity for everything else, you've got your life. Most of us would not see that list. Most of us only see the list, but what about my legs? and we would get completely caught up on the one thing that's not the way that we had hoped for or dreamed for or wanted, and we wouldn't be able to see all of the other goodness of God in our lives. I think that's just one of our our struggles. If if I had a takeaway for everybody here today, it would be that, uh, is to see God's goodness in everything we do have instead of the one thing that didn't go the way that we would have chosen to go another way. But you were taking your thoughts captive from the very beginning. I remember you telling me as you were laying in the hospital, that's how you really, you made it through a lot of the time in the hospital. And uh, Grace, what was the crazy idea he had to talk to the truck driver? Oh yes, I remember um, he, it kind of struck me because it was really early 
on after his accident. He said, um, I just, I kind of want to talk to the man who hit me. And I said, what? Like, what would you say? And he said, I just want to tell him that I forgive him. And, um, you know, that just really struck me that he, God was already working in his heart and um, just erasing any bitterness that could have been growing there. Um, so I just thought that was really powerful too from the beginning that he had a heart that was open to, um, to just accepting and not just being angry. So where, what rose up within you? Where, where did that come from to take every thought captive? To cho- you began choosing how you would think from day one. So <clears throat> as I was brought up, uh, my parents taught me not to be a victim, to not take my circumstances and let them dictate my actions, but to take control of any situation that I can, make the best of it, and see you know, what God can do in that situation and just not to rely on myself to do it, but that I should trust God to help, but that he's only going to help if I'm going to meet him in the middle doing my part. And I'm not doing my part if I'm stuck in bitterness and resentment. Wow. Those are the words of a very mature Christian faith. But something like this will grow you up faster than many of us. My hope would be that we take away something like that. We're able to say those kinds of words um, about who God is and his goodness to us. You know, we, I did a series uh, a while back, a couple years ago, and God gave me a phrase. So all credit to him. Um, but it comes out as, as what you're saying, uh, which was you can't be both the victor and the victim. That we all have to choose. We're going to live the rest of our lives out of, oh, what happened to me? Or Jesus died, rose again. And uh, man, God can do anything, right? Everybody, will and grace. Yeah. best way that we could close today is if I could pray for all of you. So uh, choose, stand or sit. Let's let's do one or the other. Why don't you all stand up? We're going to worship in a moment anyway. The truth is this, we're all going to have a hard day. I don't know what it's going to look like for you. Could be the day that you're diagnosed with something the doctors say they can't control. It could be the day that you lose control of your work situation and your finances go awry. It it could be the day that your spouse has decided that following Jesus is not for them and being with you isn't part of the picture either. I don't know what it is. I've heard all of those stories and many, many more. But my hope for us is that we could have that kind of faith and that we could have that kind of understanding that this life is temporary. This life isn't perfect. This life is broken. But if we can hold on, if we can hold on to Jesus, we can do this. So that's my prayer for you. Would you allow me to do that? God, we thank you so much. We thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that you created every one of us with a plan to do something amazing in our lives and to do something amazing through us and in us. But God, we dream. And we dream sometimes based on what we see on television as kids or, or a picture we see in a magazine. And we get the idea that 
is what our life will be. That is the perfect life. But you are the perfect God who has the perfect plan. And almost always, it looks different from what we thought it would be. And it's through the most difficult things we go through that we grow closest to you and we grow most like you. So God, my prayer for every one of us in this room today is that we could hold on to that truth, that the most challenging things that we will go through simply make us more like you and they draw us closer to you. God, I pray that for every one of us, we would be able to hold this world and those dreams loosely and we would be able to hold on to you as tightly as possible, never letting go of the one who controls everything in this life and the one to come. If we can just stand an attitude of prayer, I think Will and Grace would both say that they probably would not have made it through this if it weren't that they already had faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's how they knew this life was temporary and there was more to come. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never made him king, then I'd like to help you change that. I'm not gonna embarrass you or ask you to do anything. What I'd like to do is just lead you in a conversation right where you're standing. If you would, say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer here today is that you give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Everybody, let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.